Good evening. I'm excited to be with you guys tonight. For those that are new, welcome. I'm Pastor Daniel, and I'm excited to have you guys with me tonight, whether you're in person or those online. We are going to have some fun. But as we get started tonight, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about packing for eternity. I am, I am excited for this. I have got my bag. I am ready here. But I want to know how many of you guys are like early packers. So if you're going to go on a trip, you are packed like days to weeks in advance. Yeah, I love you. How many of you guys are late packers? All right, how many are last second packers? Like you pack probably when you should be leaving. Yeah. All right. Love you guys. Um, for the record, I am a late, somewhere between late and last minute packer. And my wife is a incredibly an advanced packer. And so it's been like this eye-opening experience once we got married. She's packing. I'm like, what are you packing for? She's like, our trip. I'm like, it's in weeks. She's like, yeah, I'm getting ready. I'm like, if I packed all my clothes now, what would I wear between now and then? Like, I don't know, but, um, but it, it's, it's fun. But I discovered something. As I was, was kind of getting ready for this message, being a last-minute packer can work contingent on a couple of factors. Number one, you know when you're leaving. Because if you don't actually know when you're leaving, you don't know when is last minute. So you don't get packed and you don't go. Um, number two, this works when you are in control of when you are leaving. I don't know if you've ever, uh, I, I'm a guess, you guys are all mostly adults. So you've done this where you're like, I was planning to leave at one, but my bag is not ready. So 1.30, here we come. And like you just finish packing whatever needs to go and then then you're, you're ready for this trip. I know, like, my kids have learned that there is a difference. Like, if we're all going somewhere as a family, like, it can be a struggle to get them all in the van. But if I'm going somewhere on my own and they want to come, they know there's a difference. Because, like, if, if they want to come to church with me, there's an option to go with mom. So if they're not ready when I need to leave, I just leave. And like, if I'm going to go somewhere that they don't have to go, but they get to go, they realize there is a window. So when we're all going, they're all like, I don't know where my shoes are. I can't find them. Can you help me put them on? And it's like this like dragging. If I'm just leaving, they come like flying out the door. And you're like, where are your shoes? They're in this hand. They've got like their shirt. They go, you're even half dressed. Don't leave me. Like they just like move. And they've learned this difference because it matters if you know when you're leaving, if you don't know when you're going, you have to be packed before um, with much less um, warning. And so I, I was pondering this idea, and I saw a meme this week. I don't know if you guys ever see memes on the internet, but they fill the internet. And there, there was this meme, there's this person, and they're just like oh, this, looking like this. And you're like, it's like me looking out the window today to see what chapter of Revelation we're on. And I, I saw it, I read it, I laughed, and I, and I thought of this conversation between Jesus and his disciples in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. As he sat down on the Mount of Olives, Jesus and his disciples came privately saying, tell us, when, he's talking about the end of the age, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the close of the age? And Jesus goes on, he says, um, see that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. 
See that you are not alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But all these are the beginnings of birth pains. And when it says nation will rise against nation, that is the word ethnos, which is where we get the word ethnicity. So he covers kingdom against kingdom, and then he covers um, ethnic group against ethnic group. And he lays this out as a sign of the times. And so I'm, I'm going through this, and I'm like, wars, rumors of wars, uh, ethnicity against ethnicity type fighting, kingdom against kingdom type fighting, famines, earthquakes. I'm like, is hurricanes on the list? Because we got those too. And I was like, oh, these are but the beginning of birth pains. I'm like, okay, there, there it covers the rest. Um, and I just looked at our times, and I'm like, wow. There's a ton of this going on. And then he says, you know, hey, as this comes, many will fall away, verse 10, and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of the lawlessness will be increased, the love of the many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And I looked at this and going, I want to endure to the end. I want to be ready for the end. I don't know when the end is coming. Now, if you have kids, um, if you were around when you had kids, ladies, you were around. Um, men, if you were there, you, you, one of the things that I learned was that they tell you a due date, that is a myth. That is a sometime, give or take, weeks or months. Like, it, it's very unprecise. And when they, they give it to you, like, you know what? As you get closer, people are like, is the baby coming? And you're like, hope so. <laughs> but you don't know when. And then, then the woman's body starts to do things, and you're like, oh, you had a contraction. When's the baby coming? Sometime. You're like, well, well you had a contraction. Yeah. So? Like, is it a real contraction or is it a Braxton Hicks contraction? And then the women all say, well, like, at first you're like, well, I don't know. It hurt. Well, yay. Like, it's getting closer. Like, you just, you, 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 it comes and then you're like, well, now you had more than one. Well, that implies you are getting closer. How close? God knows. And he alone. And like, it was this thing. And I remember when we had kids and our, our first one, um, we had, well, first we had a bunch of Braxton Hicks, and so then it was like, all right, and if you don't know what those are, it's like your body, or your body, a woman's body practicing and like getting, I, I think it's, it's getting in shape, getting ready so that it's ready for labor. I don't know. It's when they have contractions and a baby's not coming. And so <laughs> they, uh, they're going through this, and so then you're like, okay, is this real? I don't know. Lay down. If they don't go away, then we go to the doctor. If they go away, then we're good. And there's this, all this, like, guessing at what's going on. And finally, she goes into labor, and it lasted for days. It was awful. And, yeah, well, then we have our next, next one, and it's, like, two months before he's due. So she starts having contractions, and it was bedtime. And I'm like, go to bed. They'll go away. <laughs> like, I just was sure that, like, you just lay down. It just must have done too much. But, um... They didn't go away. And so we're like, ah, we'll just go to the doctor. They'll, like in my head, we're going to go in. They're going to give you a shot. They'll make them stop. And we'll come back in like two months when around that due date. Remember, that's like supposed to be when it's coming. Nope. We went in and they're like, you want to push now? Here comes the baby. What happened? Like, 
but, but this is what I learned. Um, there are signs that the baby is coming, but they do not give you a timer. It is not like when you put something in the oven and then you like set the timer and beep and then you pull it out. That's not how it works. And this is the illustration that Jesus chose to use. He goes through and says, these are the beginning of birth pains. This is a sign that the, that the, that the end is coming closer. But it's not like you're going to set your clock and go, ooh, how many earthquakes was that this year? Or did we have a hurricane? How many wars? Oh, okay, I think that means we have six years, nine days. and like, No, that's not. He just goes, the signs are, are there. You need to be ready. And I, I looked at this, and I, I have always loved Bible prophecy. I always got excited when my dad would teach on Bible prophecy. And as a little kid, I didn't take much for notes, but I just sat there and like my eyes would get real big and I would just like get sucked into it. Love it. We're not doing that tonight, sorry. But, but what I want you to understand is tonight isn't about the ins and the outs of each prophecy and how they've been fulfilled. It's looking at the promise that the end is coming and going, what is our responsibility and our role now? If I believe that Jesus is coming, how can I be ready for his return? Um, when you know the end is coming, it changes how you live. Uh, I have kids, as I mentioned. One of my kids, um, he needs something from this bag on a regular basis. I brought toys because they make life more fun. But I bought a lot of them. All right. You see this? This is a timer. This thing is glorious. One of my kids in particular, if you ask him to do something, he may do it. But it may take the entire day. Unless there's this. This thing is glorious. You tell him. All right, whatever it was that he needed to do, whether it was like eat, do school, put away the dishes, whatever it is, you tell them you, you have a task. And you go, I am setting a timer. Because if you don't set the timer, it's like, putting away dishes, la, 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 yeah, what are you doing? I'm putting away dishes, la, la, la. No, you're dancing with a cup in your hand. Like, this is not a musical. And so, you're like, okay, the timer's set. How long did you set the timer for? I'm not telling. I set a timer. If, it's, if it beeps before you're done, you're in trouble. And I have learned, if I tell him, then it backfires. Because then I either have to set it really short to make him motivated and then if he doesn't get it, then I have to follow through and I don't want to do that. Like, I'd rather him actually just get the job done. But if I give him lots of time to help him out, then he's like, oh, I got lots of time. La, la, la. I'm like, okay. We're just going to go with, there's a timer. It's going. You need to be ready before it beeps. Okay. There's a timer. Jesus said he's coming back. And we need to be ready before he, it beeps, before he returns. It's kind of weird to call him a beep. Anyways, but <laughs> don't take the theological implication on that. But here, my, my point is that he is coming back. But before we get into all of what does it look like to be ready, just in case you aren't familiar with the promise of his return, let me give you a, a quick look at this promise because understanding that it is a promise is important. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 says, we must talk to you about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to meet him. 
He says that it is my job and responsibility to talk about the fact he's coming back. That it is supposed to be something that we fix our eyes on that affects how we live today. In Hebrews 9, 28, it says, Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And he goes through and he makes this promise. And then in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, it says, Therefore, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. If you've heard the term rapture, referring to Jesus' return, this is where it comes from. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. The word it's caught up um, in Latin is um, rapio, rapio, where we get the word rapture. And so, so this, is a, this was a focus of the church, going, Jesus is coming back. Are we ready? This was a, a focus for the early church, and it's supposed to be a focus of ours. Um, first, first Corinthians chapter 15 it says, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. He goes through and says that he is coming back for us, and we need to keep this in our focus, because if you don't, you are caught unprepared. Just knowing that something is going to happen someday doesn't necessarily leave you prepped and ready. Uh, anyone ever have a pop quiz? Yeah, or a shocking exam. Now, pop quizzes, the, the thing about a pop quiz is that the, the professor or the teacher knows it's a pop quiz. The problem is when you go to take an exam that turns out to be a pop exam for you. I had some friends in college and we had one of our professors who, they were great. And like the week before the exam, they were like, you know, there are things that you're probably going to want to know before the exam. Like, who was king for this? And who, was, you know, who prophesied during this reign? And, and um, I think that was my major prophets professor. I think this was in our counseling professor who went through and was like, you need to know these theories and you need to know who came up with this theory. And they went through this. Well, the next week, like I've studied all these different things. Uh, I get there and then two friends, like they walk in, they're like, ha ah, ha ha. And then she mentions exam and they just go, what? Exam? Yeah, she told us what to study for last week. And they're like, we were fishing. <laughs> Stinks to be you. But there's nothing I could do at that point. They're like, I'm like you got like 30 seconds to study. Um, but a lot of people, I feel like, are caught that way. While Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. It goes, now is the time to get ready. Now is the time to pack. Now is the time to make sure that you are ready. You will not have time later. Um, it goes on in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4 and 6. 4 to 6, it says, um, For the day, uh, it says, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to surprise you like a thief. For you are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night, or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others, but let us keep awake and be sober. There are nine different warnings that Jesus is going to come back like a thief or unannounced. 
you cannot just go, I will pack last minute. You cannot wait and be like, I'll pack when I see dad going out to the car. In fact, Jesus tells several parables where people weren't ready. And he talks about, in Matthew chapter 25, verse um, 1, he, he goes through and he tells a story about 10 um, bridesmaids who went and were ready for his return. 10 who were waiting, 5 who were wise and prepped out, and 5 who were not. And when he came back, the 5 who were ready were ready to go. The 5 who were not were racing out to get ready. And it says that he went in and he closed the door. And when they showed up, they were like, let us in. He said, I don't know you. It is a eye-opening little story because they started waiting, but they weren't ready when he returned. And it, the story wasn't about all of humanity. It was about 10 who started waiting. And it was this wake-up call to all of us that just because you know he's coming back doesn't mean you're ready. And that we need to be ready when he comes back. All right, so I promised that I brought a bag that I packed for this. So let me start looking going, what things, what's first on my list am I supposed to find here? Do we need to have packed to be ready for Jesus' return? First off, shiny ring. You know what these are? These are wedding rings. Because they, they, they symbolize a relationship and the thing that you need first and foremost as you want to be ready for Jesus' return is a relationship with him. And I'm going to put that knot right next to the edge. Things I don't want to lose. Um, but he, he says this. He says, um, in Revelation 3.20, he says, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him, and he with me. And he goes through and he says, I want this relationship. And there's this invitation that God puts out and goes, will you respond to my invitation? Romans chapter 10, verse 9. He says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Jesus invites you into a relationship. He invited me into a relationship. And he goes, I want to do life with you. I want to pay the price for your sins. I am offering you forgiveness and this relationship. And the very first thing in being ready for his return is responding to that. Twelve and a half years ago, it was supposed to be with this box, but my mom, who was playing setup, forgot the box at home. So I actually proposed to my wife with my mom's ring. And then once we finished that, we went home, and then she got the 12 or something, seven boxes that I had this wrapped in. I'd like wrapped this and like kept getting bigger. It was, it was supposed to be fun. The idea was if I did like too much too fast and then gave her a little box, it was going to be like this instant. I know what's happening. But if you get a present that's like you know, a foot and a half by nine inches, you're like, what is this? It's the size of a shoebox. Because it was. And like, but anyways. I got down and I invited her to bring our relationship to the next level. I said a bunch of nice, sweet things. 
And then I asked her to be my wife. Jesus has invited us into relationship. And when we respond, this isn't the end of the journey. It is the beginning. And sometimes people think, they're like, well, I said the magic words, so I'm good to go. It is so much more than a magic spell that gets you out of hell. And I feel like there's a lot of people who fall into this illusion that it's like, well, I said the magic words from Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Well, he's in, that's like saying that everything's hunky-dory because you said yes. Well, that's a great start. Then came a whole bunch of, for us, it came some really fast planning. I asked her to get, I'm like, hey, like, as, as we do this engagement, I said, you can do it whenever, however you want, just inside of six months. And she looked at me and she laughed at me. She said, six months? Try six weeks. I'm like, bring it on. And so, but uh, her dad couldn't get here in six weeks, so it was seven. But nonetheless, I was really excited. But it was the beginning of our journey. God's inviting us into a relationship. And the first thing that we do in preparation is respond to his invitation. I don't know if you guys can see this very well. This is my, uh, actually, this is not my investment thing. This was a free picture that I found on a royalty-free website. But nonetheless, um, it's, it's a, uh, a stock pro profile here. Because as you get ready for eternity, Jesus lets us know that you can't bring it with you, but you can send it ahead, that you can invest. See, there are some things, a lot of times it's like, well, can I store up things that I can bring with me into eternity. And you can't like go, hey, what's my bank account? I'm going to drag it with me. You can't like here, load my coffin with gold because I, I want to take it with me. Uh, that doesn't work. But the Bible says that we can invest in eternity. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, and this one, Pastor Dwayne mentioned this this morning, but it says, do not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal, but store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I got, just got looking at this going, you have this chance to send it ahead. You can take your money, your time, your effort. There are so many different ways that you can do this, but he says that you store up treasures in heaven. There are some things that you can't bring with you. When you go on a plane, there's a whole bunch of things that you cannot carry on, but that you can check them and see them on the other side. There are so many things in our life, you can't bring it with you, but you can check it. You can go through and go, all right, I am going to send this on ahead of me. That's the right side. Okay. Um, as we look at investing into eternity, um, the Bible lays out that there are rewards in heaven. And right now is when you earn them, not at the award ceremony. And sometimes I think that Christians want to be like, you know what, I'm just going to live my life and then I'm going to like say all the right things when I'm in front of Jesus. And, and he goes through and says that that right now is your chance. In 1 Corinthians chapter 
Three, he says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a master builder, I laid the foundation. He goes on, he says, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work has been built uh, on the foundation survives, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved only as through the fire. This is where a lot of people get confused because we are saved by grace. It is not by our works, but we are rewarded for our works. He goes through and says that there are some whose works are going to be burned up that still will be saved. I like to win. Um, I, I got this one racing in a faster pastor race. It was a lot of fun, but... Yeah, so it, it, but my, my point is that you can earn them now. See, the currency of heaven is love, faith, and obedience. And he goes through going, it's not just what did you do, but why did you do it? How did you do it? The Pharisees of Jesus' day did all sorts of great things. And Jesus' response to them was, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He goes, you're putting, going through a lot of motions but goes, what I want you to do is love God and love people. And you go, well, how do I earn rewards? You love God and you love people. And when you put God first, it says that he's looking to reward. And, and it's, it's this amazing thing where we go, okay, I can store up. I can begin to get things ready. I'm running out of space up here. Whoop. There goes some water. All right. So this is my family. I'm blessed. You can zoom in on it. This is my amazing family. I probably should have just given them the picture because it would have been better. But the point was that you would see um, that as you prepare for heaven, one of the greatest things that you want to prepare is your family. One of the saddest things would be to make it to, he to, to heaven and know that your kids aren't. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus is telling a story about a rich man and a poor beggar named Lazarus. And he says in this story, both the poor man and the rich man both die. And from across, it goes through and it talks about some of the, this, the torment that the rich man is in. And he looks up and he sees Lazarus at, at Abraham's side, and he says, hey, can you send him with some water to, you know, on his finger for my tongue? He goes, no, nope, we can't cross to and, you know, from here to there. He says, well, can you send him to my brothers? I have five brothers. And, I, and it just like, it put things in perspective because he goes through and he goes, I don't want them to end up here but the response that he got when it was too late for him to change it. Right now, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to pray for your family. You have an opportunity to lead your family. You have an opportunity to show them what loving Jesus looks like and you have an opportunity to share that with them. You have an opportunity to invite them into a relationship with God. You have an opportunity to invite them to come to church with you. You have an opportunity to be the light in your family. 
And just being right with God doesn't guarantee that they're going to make that decision. And I want to encourage you to do everything that you can to bring your family with you. Because as I pack for eternity, one of the things I am most concerned about packing is my family. Because I want my children in heaven with me. I want my in-laws in heaven with me. And if you don't, you want them to get saved so that they become the person that you want to be in heaven with you. But, but I get to love people. And I want to bring people with me. And I, and I took a picture of my family. But if I want to be honest with you, I want to bring my family, but I want to bring my neighbors. I want to bring my coworkers. I want to bring my cashier. I want to bring my waiter. I want to bring other people with me. And that means I need to live in a way now to bring them with me. It's such a big deal. But the thing is that we have a limited time in order to do it. Don't wait until your time is over to note what you should have done. Take the time now to go, all right, how can I show them God's love? How can I invite them into a relationship with Jesus today? I think it's kind of fun busting somebody's out and some of you guys are like, why do you have a shirt? And some people are, are guessing. They're going through their verses in their head. They're like, mm, what story, what story, what story? I got it, I got it. Matthew 25, 40. Okay, so. Matthew chapter 25. Jesus tells a story. Tells a parable. He said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he says that, that when he comes back, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats, <clears throat> those that are right with God and those that are not. And there's going to be a time when he's going to separate them and he's going to look to the, those, to the sheep and he's going to tell them, he's going to go, hey, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was in prison and you visited me. And he goes through this massive list of I had this need and you met my needs physically. I, I, I was naked and you clothed me, hence the shirt. For those that are going, what is this? This is a Simply Give card. This last week, if you bought one of these from Myers for 10 bucks, they donated 30 bucks to the food pantry to, here to help feed those that needed food. And he goes, I was hungry. And you fed me. And, and they, they turned to, to him and they go, when? When was Jesus, when was God Almighty hungry? When was God naked? When was God in need? He just looks and he goes, what you did to the least of these, you did to me. And he thanks them. And it blows me away. And he goes through going, because he turns to the others and he goes, I was hungry and you left me. I was naked and you didn't share a coat. I was cold, and you didn't. And he goes through this same list, and he goes through all of these different things, and he goes, you left me, and you didn't help. But he goes through, and he says that what I do unto them, when I go to show them love, I am doing it. And he goes, I take it personally. And I looked, and I said, God, when I stand in front of you, I want to hear you say, 
That when you needed help moving, that I helped you move. That when you were lonely, that I sat and was a listening ear. That when you were on your own, that I was there to help you. When you needed a ride, when your tire was flat, that I pulled over. I wanted to hear that you say that when, when you were waiting my table, I gave you a good tip. When I saw that you were having a bad day and weren't doing the best job, I didn't cut you off, but I showed you some love and some grace. I want to hear that when, when he was miserable, that I helped him out. Because it's weird to think of God as being miserable, but he says that when my children, when my kids that I loved were broken and hurting, how you treated them is how you treated me. And that I can prepare for heaven when I go, you know what? I'm going to treat somebody who's broken and hurting with his love. Whether it's that customer who's just awful, that, that fellow employee who drives you crazy, whether it's your neighbor who seems to be straight from the devil, like whatever it is, you, I have an opportunity to pack and to go, I'm going to stand in front of God and he's going to say, what did you do to the least of these? And today is my opportunity to decide how, he, how I answer. Today I pack it. There's a lot of things still in the bag. We're not going to cover them all, don't worry. We'll, we'll, this is an oil lamp from Israel. This is a light that we get to let shine. See, sometimes when we talk about this subject, people want to take one of two extremes. And they, they want to go, depending on their um, in times view, they either want to get this like, hunker down, we need to be here and it's going to get horrible, or this, it doesn't matter, we're getting out of here. Neither are what we're supposed to be doing. See, we're supposed to be shining bright right now. See, it's about not, what am I going to go through, or am I going to get out of here? It's, what can I do now before he comes back? What do I want to have done before he comes back? When I stand in front of God, what do I want to say that I did? Not what do I want to do right now, because if you ask what you want to do, you make stupid choices, all of us. If you ask, do I want to work out or do I want to eat Doritos? Everyone's going to want to eat Doritos, for real. Like, but if I ask you next week, what do you want to have done this week? You're like, I wish I had worked out last week, so... So we ask the question not what do I want to do today, but what do I want to have done when I stand in front of him? And in First Thessalonians, is it First or Second Thessalonians? It is Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses about 5 to 7 here. He's talking about the end, and he's talking about the, um, who's often referred to as the Antichrist. Not going to get into it real deep here. But it goes through and it says that someone, that something is holding him back. And then it goes through and says that the one who's holding him back will be holding him back until, it says, but for the, this is verse 7, for the mystery of the lawless is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's taken out of the way. Then the lawless son will be revealed. 
whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing at the appearance of his coming. And I was looking at this for a while going, who is the one that's holding him back? And I heard some people and they're like, it's the Holy Spirit. And I was like, well, that's interesting. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus said he'd never leave us or forsake us. So you can't take the Holy Spirit if we're still here. So I started looking. Do you know who's supposed to be holding him back? We're supposed to be shining so bright that the darkness can't overcome it. That we're literally holding things back because we're filling this world with the love of Jesus. That we're literally shining so bright that it's making a difference. That we're drawing others towards him. That the darkness can't have its way until we're gone to be with him because we're shining so bright. We have a job. We have a call right now. And when we stand in front of God, we're going to give an account for it. We're going to get to see what we sent ahead, what we invested, the relationship that we have and those that we brought with us. But it's a choice that we get to shine right now. That's our call. And these are things that we get to do. But as, as I close, as, as we look at this list, if you don't have a relationship with him yet, then all this is for naught. And I want to invite you into a relationship with him because he's already invited you. He's already poured out his love and his grace for you because he wants a relationship with you. He offers you forgiveness because he wants to spend eternity with you. He wants a relationship with you here and now. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? Today, if you are ready to respond to his invitation. If you have not done that yet, you say, today, I'm not right with him. Today, if he was to come back or if I was to die, I don't know that I'm right with God. Then this is an opportunity for you to respond and to receive what he has freely given for you. When I say three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. One, get ready. Two, and if you're online, you can type it in the chat. Three, that's me. Go ahead and raise your hands. That's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. Who else says that's me? Another one in the back. Who else says that's me? All right. We're going to say a simple prayer. And I'm going to invite you to join me as we follow the instructions from Romans chapter 10. Say, God, thank you. For loving me. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.